Hi, and welcome to episode 181 of No Crying in Baseball, the From One Commish to Another, Thanks, Rob, episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Happy spring. I feel like it's really spring now. I mean, I know it was technically spring the last couple of recordings, but now it feels very springy. It feels good. It feels good. I think we needed baseball to actually start here in this country for it to really be spring and it happened for most people. So um, yeah, it counts. I wanted to do a super big shout out to our friend Paloma at DC Girls Baseball for making varsity as a junior at Wilson High School in DC. This is the high school varsity team and she works hard. The varsity baseball team. Thank you very much. Yep. Absolutely, because she's been playing baseball for a long time and works hard in the offseason. And um, to do that, especially this year after, you know, such a crazy virtual year. And I know sports have been totally messed up in high schools. So power to you, Paloma. Looking forward to some good baseball out of Wilson High School in D.C. Congratulations, Paloma. Also had some fun on Twitter this week. I love it when stuff like this happens. Um, Just random likes from people that go... So we're going to we're going to talk more about the players alliance later but I commented on their thread and they liked it and I just feel to be like redeemed by the the players alliance I feel like they're just such an amazing what you know I just respect them so much for everything that they've done and just that somebody from them whoever's running their twitter account which is probably like some intern or something like that but just like took that moment to say and I don't even remember what it was but <laughs> that was a good thing so that was sweet let's believe that it's actually Curtis Granderson Oh, wouldn't that be nice? That would be totally great. Yeah. There are actually many good. Wouldn't it be funny if it were CC Sabathia? <laughs> he's going to yeah. be still working with them, even though he's retired, I would bet. I believe so. Well, lot, there's actually several retired players that are part of that. It's, it's, it's past yeah. and current players in the Players Alliance. Who else liked our tweets? Also, another exciting like was the mayor of Boston. Because, I've heard of that place. Yeah. And yay, Boston. Yay, Boston for so many. Well, <laughs> A little bit of problems this yeah. weekend. We'll get to that later. But she threw out the first pitch of, of opening day at Fenway Park, which was, you know, a huge thing for the city to be able to, for everybody going back to baseball. But you know how Bostonians are about their baseball and their Fenway. And before the game, the coolest thing is, you know, who helped her warm up for her first pitch was Jim Rice. So Aww. she tweeted about her and Jim Rice warming up, and I retweeted it, and she liked that. And I just feel that's that's really wonderful. She's a very recent mayor. She just was appointed. She was a city council person and appointed when Marty, Marty um, shoot, I should have looked up his last name. I, re- I can't believe I'm blanking, but the old Boston mayor is now the Secretary of Labor, so I sh- really should know his name. I keep, think- I keep thinking like random Irish names, but... It's not it's not fitting. I'll figure it out later. <laughs> anyway, she is the first of Irish names would probably get you there pretty quickly, yeah. though. I guess. Right. It's going to like in the middle of the episode, I'm just going to go Marty. You know, they probably I'll just call him Maddie anyway. So she's the first both the first African-American and the first woman to be a Boston mayor. So I'm happy to see Boston moving forward in the world. That is very exciting. And you just reminded me of something else that I wanted to tell you about. Um, I had a wacky week, lots of downs. I had a bad reaction to my vaccine. I'm better Mm. now. So I kind of went like in and out of my ability to concentrate on things. And then with the whole um, opening day disappointment we'll talk about later, I resorted to um, monster movies. Oh, I you, thought you were going to say monster drink, like monster energy drink. No, God, no, going. God, no, God, no. So, you know, this, this, this like Kong versus Godzilla thing has been getting a lot of like press, right? On HBO Max. So I, oh, I had watched, funny. I had watched that. And then I realized, oh my God, this is actually part of a series of movies. So I should go back and, you know, and catch up on these because it was actually better than I thought. And the, the first one, well, actually, so Kong Skull Island right? Wasn't that like renownedly bad, like bad? I, well, again, I was um, in a state this yeah. week and I enjoyed it. But the thing that I enjoyed the most about it was, so there's this like soldier from World War II, like stranded on this desert island for 30 years. And these soldiers yeah. coming back from the Vietnam War find him. And they have with them a photojournalist who is a lovely woman. And um, it's Brie Larson, actually, it's Captain Marvel, but not yet. But anyway, <laughs> He looks at her and he says, you're as beautiful as a hot dog and a beer at Wrigley Field on opening day. 
Oh, what a line. That is a beautiful line. That would have worked. So, but then yeah. the Godzilla movie that followed it. Yes, I watched multiple monster movies. <laughs> the Godzilla movie that I've, a king of the monsters. There is a pivotal scene in Fenway Park. Really? So somebody involved in this is a, is a baseball fanatic. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to see it. You you kind of do, but do it when you are possibly not feeling well or you're okay. otherwise like laid out and you don't want something that's going to challenge you in any way. Um, yeah, it, it was quite a thing. I, I really did enjoy them. I'm a little embarrassed about it, but there you go. What I'm not embarrassed about, but I am surprised about are my two legitimate highlights of opening weekend were brought to me by the Baltimore Orioles, who I can say this probably once and only once. They have the best record in the AL East. Thank you. That's it for the season. And Rob freaking Manfred. Yeah. Like, like I would have lost big money on this bet, but those were yep. my legitimate highlights for this weekend. We need to print all new bingo cards. We, we totally do. We totally do. Because yep. these were busted. Anyway, on today's show, that whole all-star game thing was us, right? We did that. Uh, we've got our opening day highlights, including our, our uh, fantasy boyfriends and what they did. The COVID report, unfortunately, is the Nationals edition. Our police blotter features complicated drug math, mad respect, and a shoulder to chappy. Our grooming segment features opening day hair. Progressive Field has new rules and a pinch drummer. International Baseball features our guy Tim with a no-no. And our first report on our fantasy league. Woohoo! There's a lot. It's, There's it's so a much. Lot. So y'all get that second beer ready. I mean, I'm glad I brought my second beer and put it. Oh next shit! Because, I did not. Yeah, but you got to help her. I'm gonna have to call tech support. Yep. All right. So here's the thing. The All-Star Game. Remember that rant we had last week about the All-Star Game has got to get pulled from Atlanta because Georgia must be punished for voter suppression. Rob Manfred heard us and also a lot of other people. Rob yeah. Manfred apparently talked to the Players Alliance, a lot of individual players, past and present, some owners, the players, um, the, the union, a lot of people. Now, again, this decision was his and his alone, but at least he he was informed by a huge number of people. And as one of the articles I read pointed out, either way would have been a political stand to yank the game from Atlanta or to leave it there is expressing an opinion either Absolutely. way. So if he had to express an opinion, I'm glad he went this way about it. His official statement said that Major League Baseball, quote, fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. It's a good statement. It really is. It's plain and simple. It's not all of the like details around the edges. It's like, here's here it is. Here's mm -hmm. what we stand for. Get with the freaking program or we're not going to play in your ballpark anymore. So there were other things behind it. A lot of people said, well, I think he was concerned that individual players would boycott and that would be a bad look, right? Or that oh, corporate yeah. sponsors would pull out. And this is an expensive proposition to put this on. We've seen this. There are corporate sponsorships, you know, smacked on absolutely everything. And to lose that would be a big blow. So there, there were also, you know, other things around that as opposed to like just like the moral high ground. Here. Yeah, well, that, that was the comment that I wrote to the Players Alliance was thanking them because I think that they deserve a shit ton of credit for this because they are organized. They have been vocal. He knew, you know, and, and it's great that he went to them and asked them for advice and was proactive instead of waiting for them to react and have to say, no, don't do this. But um, I think he he knew he had to answer to them. So thank you, Players Alliance. You see, the Players Alliance put out a very strong statement saying we are united. But I have a feeling that they may not have been within their membership to begin with, because mm -hmm. there are a lot of people. And I'm going to talk about Stacey Abrams in a minute as one of them who believe that showing up in that place and then taking action and then speaking out is the best way to do it. And there may have been some players, and there probably still are some players out there in the world, whether they're with the Alliance or not, I don't know, who feel that right. like maybe we would have made more of an impact had we gone and made our statement there. So Stacey Abrams, it's weird to be on the other side of anything from Stacey Abrams for me. Yeah. But she did say, Republicans prioritized making it harder for people of color to vote over the economic well-being of all Georgians. So she's like putting the blame for this squarely on the lawmakers. But yet her larger statement does say, I don't want boycotts. I don't want to hurt low-income people economically. I want people to come here and make a stand and speak out while they're here. 
I think it would be a really hard position for her to come out and say, boycott my state. You know, I just think that yep. would be a really politically yep. 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 rough thing. So a lot of people have been weighing in with support and a lot of people without. I was surprised to see Terry Francona, who usually mm -hmm. is not somebody I would think of as well. You know, the 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 hard right is like characterizing this as, um, you know, the, those those nutty, those nut job, you know, flaming liberals, which oh, yeah. no one has ever called Major League Baseball before. But so Terry Francona and Barack Obama both made similar statements about Hank Aaron, because one of the things that's going to happen at, the, at this All-Star game is honoring the life of Hank Aaron. And what Francona said was, for a guy that certainly led by example in a time that it wasn't that easy to do that, and in an area that it wasn't that easy to do that, this is a kind of fitting tribute. Hmm. So you know, there are people out there who are saying that it's better for the memory of Hank Aaron given this current time. I thought his son said that as well. Could be. Could yeah. Be. Like came Could out and, and tweeted basically like, this is not what, with, like when somebody said, but wait, he played there. And he's like, no, no, no. He would have been on the other side. Yep. Yep. So the Atlanta team, no surprise, is quote, deeply disappointed. And um, their official statement, oh my God, I wanted a red pen. I wanted a red pen. They put their perfect <laughs> oh, tomahawk on their deep disappointment, right? Yeah. And also, the thing that I I loved is that Twitter freaked out about the errant apostrophe. Um, they had said they're referring to MLB and its All Star Game, and it was I T S apostrophe. It was like what? I know, I know. It wasn't the usual mistake. It was a different that's, mistake. That's hysterical. And, and the weirdest thing, of course, for us is that was only the second baseball related grammar conversation I had on that same day. And I've only had, I think, two or three grammar conversations on, in my life about that's my, my my brain is like as a, as an English teacher is now spinning. You never see ITS a pot like that's not a thing that would you don't have a plural of it that. Well, right. apparently the the Atlanta team caring, caring about, uh, you know, voter suppression is also not really a thing. Mm -hmm. Also, the Atlanta team caring about racial justice is not really a thing. They're saying, you know, our city, our city. But where where do they where are they now? They're in Cobb County. They moved yep. the heck out of our city. They're not even in Atlanta. They went to where the white people go, where the right. white people go by car. So I'm sorry. Cobb County put out a statement saying that they anticipate a 100, listen for it, billion dollar loss in the tourist trade with the loss of this. Wow. This is just Cobb County. This isn't the state of Georgia will lose. Right. They think their their county is going to lose a hundred billion dollars. You know, how many people are going to go to the all-star game? How, how open is it going to be? We don't know how many, how much money do you think everybody's going to spend right. when they go? I don't know. So I think that's a little bit exaggerated, but I don't really care about the, you know, that. So but there, it's the park isn't even accessible with public transportation, right? right. Like yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, so they yeah. are clearly, you know, catering to a certain demographic from they the get-go. They absolutely are. So the, um, the Atlanta team wasted no time in saying, all right, fine. And they patched over the All-Star Game logo, logo on their uniform sleeves. They right. couldn't remove them yet or get new uniforms, so they just sort of like sewed little patches over and you can kind of see it through, so that's kind of pathetic. And they're, they're wearing caps that don't have the logo at all anymore, so they've made that switch pretty quickly. So now the talk is, where's it going to go? And as of our recording, it hasn't been announced yet. Maybe it'll be announced before you actually hear this. So um, Milwaukee is a good choice because Hank Aaron also played there. So if we're honoring Hank Aaron, that would be a good idea. Baltimore has thrown their hat into the ring as a good choice. Um, I think that's good. I think um, making a stand for racial justice and democracy in Baltimore is an excellent thing. Course Field is coming up a lot, and I can't figure out what the draw is for Colorado, but, um, you know, it's a nice place and all. Who knows? One really important thing, though, is Major League Baseball, when they have an all-star game, they work in the host city, and they do these legacy projects. Like when they were here in D.C., we went and saw that they had refurbished some ball, ball fields out in communities for kids. So they do that kind of work. They promise to still do that in Atlanta because, again, at the community level, they don't want people to suffer any more than they need to. So they're still going to do all of those legacy projects in Atlanta, which That's is nice. That's great. 
And the Players Alliance made the same commitment. They said, wherever they go, wherever the All-Star game is, we will do Players Alliance things, but we are also going to keep our promises to the communities in Atlanta and still go there. Because if you remember, like over the fall and winter on their tour, they they took their big old bus out into neighborhoods and they passed out PPE and food as well as baseball equipment. And I think they would do a similar thing in Atlanta and now also wherever the All-Star game ends up being. So I'm totally out of breath, but thanks, Rob. This is like the one thing that I can get behind and I'm shocked and I'm pleased. So does that mean we can give him the rest of our list now? Yeah, I know. That's like, keep checking him off. He's yep. He's got a long way to go. And I'm excited to find out where it's going to be. You know, I, when you said Colorado, I was thinking home run derby in Colorado. That could yeah. be. Yeah, there, there were some comments about that. I think they're all going to go out of the park, right? That'd be great. <laughs> so, so hey, there's there's baseball happening. And that that has started since we last recording. It was Hope Inning Day. I love Hope Inning Day. So I was so excited for Hope Inning Day. And, you know, there's always that ritual around Hope Inning Day. And usually it's us going to Nats Park and that wasn't going to happen this this year anyway because we couldn't get tickets. But then nobody had tickets, and it was a shitty cold day. So at first I was thinking, ah, oh well, we don't have tickets. And then it was canceled. And then Boston was rained out, and I went out and I got cider because it was Passover, so I wasn't drinking beer. I got Boston cider and DC cider, and I was all set to watch my Boston and DC games. And those were the two that were canceled. And I just kind of took it personally. Yeah, <laughs> I was you, like, I, you know, I was already feeling weak, you know, because I was in a bad like health spot all week long. And Thursday morning was really bad again. And then I get this news that, you know, not only the Boston game, but also the Baltimore game got rained out. Yeah, that's it. And they were playing <laughs> each other. So I yeah. was feeling it from my O's. And then the Nationals news, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. It just like I felt like it was a gut punch. Yeah, it was a gut punch. I didn't see that coming. A rain out, fine, we can deal. But the the gut punch was so much. Yeah. It was so much. And then the fucking blackouts, right? And then there's just like so much to deal with. Well, the the blackout affected me the next day when we tuned into Boston, Baltimore. But that's another story. The consolation prize, though, you know, whenever I'm bummed about what's happening with Boston, it makes me feel just a little bit better if the Yankees are having problems. So at least I got <laughs> to see the Yankees lose an opening day in 10 innings to the Blue Jays. And it's always, I think this is the whole bingo card thing. There have been a lot of folks who popped up in the past couple of days who we didn't hear of before. And, you know, when we're making our predictions, there are definitely people who are coming out that who would have known it. And the biggest deal was um, the closer for, and I don't even think he's the regular closer, right? That Kirby Yates is, is the regular closer for the Blue Jays, I think. I didn't write this down, but that's just like, off the top of my head, he, he and I know he's been out. So they had this kid, Julian Merriweather, in, and he, bless him, had his first MLB save on opening day against the Yankees. And not only was it his first MLB save, his last save period in the minors was in 2015. He Whoa. went into this game ranking 463 out of MLB pitchers. And he came this close to an immaculate inning. Oh my he God. threw one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, eight strikes. And then there was, I, I don't know, a foul or a ball or something like that. Well, a foul would have been a strike, um, a ball. I don't know. Something happened to break it up. But he did end uh, end up getting the side out. I, I think the last one was not a strikeout. And then today he came in again and with 11 pitches and nine of them being strikes. So that was my excitingest. Excitingest? Yes, I am such a good Let's English go teacher. Exciting. You that have to was, be for a while. That was my excitingest part. My exciting <laughs> part of, of opening day. But there was so many cool other things. I mean, you watched, did you watch the whole Cleveland-Detroit game? I did. I did. And I got to say, I mean, it was a beautiful thing with the snow swirling and all of that. <laughs> and and I will say, you know, when we get to my highlights, Shane Bieber was amazing. But Miggy, oh, my yeah. God. I mean, I, I want Cleveland so badly to win. Thank you for winning today. But Miggy hitting his homer. Yeah, being the first home run of the season. 
is beautiful. And he's like, I'm working on that 500. And I haven't kept track the past couple of days, but I think he had 12 to go after that first one on opening day. And he's coming in on the 3000 hit mark. And if you look at his numbers in 2019, he had enough hits and home runs that season that if you applied that right now, he would make those 500, 3000 marks. And wouldn't it be amazing if he made them at the same time? Like that's a possibility. Speaking of baseball magic, right? Sure. Right. It could happen. I, I realized that me picking the Padres for my um, fantasy team is problematic because they play really, really late for me. So it's going to be hard for me to watch them a lot. I totally appreciated being to watch, being able to watch them on opening day because they were one of the late afternoon ones. And it was super fun watching you, Darvish, Emilio Pagan, and Mark Melanson, all my, the pictures that I, that I parked, that I picked all together, <laughs> all of them doing well and watching Fernandez Tatis Jr., who's no longer my boyfriend, but I adore the man, go Matrix again with that slide back into first that he evaded the tag. Holy shit. The, the guy is magic. Like he just has beyond swag. He's just so cool. Another another friendly face from, from the past is who would have known? Pablo Sandoval's in Atlanta. I didn't even realize that. And for him to be chilling out most of the game, brought in as a pinch hitter and to hit the game tying home run, like, I don't know, not on my bingo card, but love it. And then there was your, your former boyfriend for the White Sox, Eloy Jimenez. I think we talked about last week how he's injured, right? Yeah. His, his torn pectoral muscle. Yeah. The the White Sox no, are punctured, punctured. It was a horrible thing. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, I mean, they, they are beyond grieving for him and it's kind of eerie. It looks like he died. I think it scared a lot of people who saw yeah. all of the imagery going by and thought that he really had died. They had like, you know, these this like red like ribbon around his jersey and they and were they saying like now and it. forever. And oh my God, mm -hmm. it, it seemed a little extreme. I mean, like show the guy some love. Yeah, but he's going to come back. I promise. Yeah. He's yeah. going to yeah. come back. My my boyfriend uh, this year's yay yay. So my White Sox boyfriend um, Jose Abreu's been doing good things. He's already gotten a grand slam, and he dedicated the whole thing to uh, Jimenez in his memory, in his loving memory. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's what it kind of <laughs> felt like. Huh. Oh my god. So my my highlights for opening weekend were largely about pitchers. There were some really outstanding pitching displays for opening day, or at least like the first outing for a pitcher. On opening day, the, the game we're talking about with, with Miggy, with, with Cleveland playing Detroit, Shane Bieber was the starter and he gave up a run early, two runs early. You know, to Miggy, actually, it was that two, two run homer. So, you know, it was ah, bittersweet. Yeah. Right. But he had 12 Ks and in six innings pitched. He was a machine. He was terrific and Cleveland lost. So it made me sad, but watching him do his thing is it's just outstanding. John means. All right. For, for Baltimore, one, oh. one hit on this opening day, over seven shutout innings pitched. This was the third time for any team anywhere to do, to have one hit or fewer in seven innings pitched on opening day without walking a batter. At Fenway against the Red Sox. Yeah, and yeah. and I noticed that the kids have him on their team. So yeah, they do. Nice pick, kids. I can they're, imagine they're who is behind smart. that. They yeah. are pretty smart. So Zach Wheeler of the Phillies. I mm -hmm. watched a bunch of this game too. Right, ten strikeouts and one hit versus Atlanta. Plus, plus he himself singled and doubled. Screw you, designated hitter. Wow, two RBIs. So he actually made two hits which is more than he allowed. Okay. He retired 17 <laughs> players in a row. Wow. The last 17 batters he faced, he retired. And on top of that, there were a lot of almost no-nos yep. that, you know, Friday and also uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And it's always fun to get those alerts and think, wow, these guys are doing amazing things so soon. And it was weird because there were also a lot of games that had enormous numbers of runs. So the the comparison between oh my god like Kansas City having like 432 runs for instance yeah that was such a great game to watch right oh, so, much fun. so so my my boyfriend report here like Michael A Taylor 
is just blossoming as yes. a Royal. I'm so happy to see it. He was squashed out there in the very crowded outfield with the Nationals, but his bat is amazing. Yeah. He homered twice. The second homer, the, the second game he played was 458 feet. He has two outfield assists already. I'm glad that I added outfield assists to one of the things that we track on our fantasy team. But all of a sudden, oh. it's like... It's like, okay, Michael A., this is your time, but yep. this is it. No more in anybody's shadows. Yeah, and he went from center field to home twice. Like, he's out there. Yeah. He's, he's so good. Yeah, he sure enough is. He sure enough is. So my uh, my rookie of the year, Ryan Mountcastle, had a really good opening day. Since then, he's been fine. And I was like, well, come on. I need you to keep being great. But um, but he started out well, and it made me very happy to say to begin with. And Chad Pinder of the A's had super sexy defense. He was robbing home runs. He was doing diving catches. But today he ran to the wall to make a crazy catch of Altuve, hit all the way to the wall. Pinder ran, jumped up, and hit the, got made the catch, but hit the wall super hard. And Ooh. then my phone lit up and said, Pinder, day to day. So I'm hoping he's all right. But when he came off the wall, he hit the ground for a while. And then when he got up and started to walk back, he stopped and got back down for a little bit. So I'm really worried about Chad Pinder. Until that Yikes. moment, oh my God, I love to watch the sexy defense. So those are, those are my highlights. Did you see what happened to my former White Sox boyfriend, Luis Robert, today? Oh he, my God. He pulled a Jose Canseco and he hit the, he caught the ball with his head. Yeah. Yeah. Ball hit yep. his head. And um, Canseco noted that on Twitter. Yes. Yep. So I, I appreciate love that. that. Yeah. Totally yep. do. Hey, so let's talk COVID for a second because this is the, the this was the gut punch of oh, just, we can't get rid of it. So earlier in the week, like the big news was that the Players Association and MLB has said, okay, we want everybody to get vaccinated. So here's the carrot for that. When your team has 85% of your players vaccinated, we're going to loosen the protocols. You can hang out like in your hotel room with other players who are fully vaccinated. You can, you know, get together in groups that you couldn't get into before. But again, you know, the, it's still if those other people are vaccinated, if your family is vaccinated, you can share a room with them like you can be with them. So this is great. This is a good carrot. Really brought out the anti-vaxxers within the NLB <laughs> community itself. Yes. And I am really disappointed. And now I'm wondering if we need a new category of never going to be a boyfriend. But that's that might be extreme. Yeah. That might be extreme. That we might have to leave mm. that up to. I don't know. We'll talk. But yeah, that was that was just crazy. But then the Nats said, "Okay, here, let's prove your point. <laughs> let's prove your point why it's important to get vaccinated, right?" So that this team who had not one positive COVID test through all of spring training on staff or on on the field ended up with four positive tests. There was one. That came from Monday, which was like the last day they, they had traveled on, on Tuesday. They got the results on Wednesday. So this one player on Wednesday had this positive test after being on a charter plane with everybody else. Because uh, why wouldn't you? Because you didn't break protocol. Yeah. Right. As far as anybody knows, they don't you know, they don't they can't figure out what the thing was that happened. But since then, there are at least four positives or possibly five now. The last two rounds of testing have both come back all negative, but there are, for the positive test, you're required to have 10 day quarantine. And if you're a close contact, and right now we've got seven people, seven players who are close contacts, you have to be a seven day quarantine. And there are two staff who are in one or the other of these categories. And so, there's no info on which players this is, right? Or so, who, if they're on the starting lineup or anything like that. There is. There are some. There is? There's, there's some information. Yeah. So so Mike Rizzo on Thursday put everybody, whether they were in, uh, identified as close contact or not, yeah. in what they called Mike Rizzo mandated quarantine. Mm -hmm. You all go home and you stay home and you don't get near anybody until we get these tests back. Do not leave your house. You got a backyard, use it to throw, throw the ball around or something, but we're not messing with this. We're not messing with this. So since then, Rizzo has said that most of the guys who on the list of either having tested positive or close contact would have been on the opening day roster. Oh. Not all, but the majority would have been on the opening the day roster. The majority of four. That would no, be- No, no, the majority of 11. Oh, including everybody. 
because yeah, everybody who's in quarantine. Yeah. So either the people who are tested positive or, or close the contact. close contacts. There have been several reports that have said that at least Kyle Schwarber, Josh Harrison, John Lester, and Alex Avila are in quarantine, hmm. but it doesn't identify who's who. Who's who? Right. Jonathan Lucroy was just signed to a minor league contract, so clearly they know they're going to need some catching help. Mm. I have a theory. I have a theory. My theory is that, and I, I can be proved wrong any second, that it wasn't a national doing something wrong because they've been doing the right thing all this time. So why would they not continue to do the right thing? My guess is it was an official, somebody who's not controlled by the nationals, who whether it was an umpire or somebody who was in close contact with a player and the players, therefore, because they know they didn't do anything wrong, they continued interacting in the way they'd been interacting, like getting on the damn charter flight with everybody else. So I don't know. I'm completely making this up, but I'm kind of feeling like maybe that's the thing. If it is true that the nationals haven't broken protocol this whole time. So I don't know, but I, they, they, some of the players started small workouts at Nats Park, a few players at a time, started that today. The Mets stayed in town because I guess they go somewhere else rather than home next. So the Mets huh. have been using Nats Park for their like simulated games and working out. Um, Nats were not until this afternoon. But I just um, a few minutes ago checked Twitter and Ken Rosenthal is saying that it doesn't look good for tomorrow's game against oh, Atlanta fuck. either which uh, there's, it hasn't been confirmed by our, our local folks yet, but that is what it looks like. And it's just going to make me weep some more because here we are back in 20 freaking 20. Yeah. Not to mention fantasy baseball. And if you have an, especially a Nat and a Met in your starting lineup, like I do, this is kind of sucked. People do. They must be bummed. Yeah. And, and you know, and I hope these guys are okay. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, largely they're not symptomatic, but I think at least one person was, and I hope they recover quickly. Yeah. And I hope these guys have an opportunity to get the damn vaccines. And we can't say it's their own fault for not getting them because as we know, depending on where you live, you may not be able to get one yet, yeah. right? So please folks, this is no joke. As soon as you can get your damn shot. Thank you, I'm having more beer. All right, you know, I just I just got some more beer too, and I'll I'll open it now as we go into our police blotter segment. So I like that noise. I'm gonna make that noise. That oh yeah. excellent. You know, just a, a side comment. What we are drinking right now is Diamonds Are Forever by Three Stars Brewing Company in DC. And this happens to be the most popular beer at Nats Park. So in this time that we are wishing that we were at Nats Park. We're at least going to drink the beer and enjoy supporting a local brewery that's like a stone's throw from your house, pretty much. That's right. I can see it from my porch if all those other houses for several blocks weren't there. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's like we're having our own simulated game. All right. <laughs> this is exactly a simulated game. This is just what we'd be doing if we were in the oh, ballpark. Totally. Talking baseball, drinking beer. And, uh, you know, maybe noticing a police blotter. So felony marijuana charges, which I just that phrase, you know, right there kind of pissed me off because there is no reason why there should be felony marijuana charges. But felony marijuana charges were dropped against Luis Capusano, who's a Padres catcher, which is good because the Padres need him because of Austin Nola being injured. And so he's going to be a backup for Victor Caratini. So it's good that his charges were dropped. So why does he have felony marijuana charges? That sounds super serious. He was pulled over in October in Georgia. Georgia now being our favorite state at this point. And the, I love fan cited. Their article said that he had 79 games of marijuana. And I swear to God, it said games. Is that enough games to last? enough marijuana to last that many games i that's mean that's what i'm wondering like, on who's the consumer here yeah like 79 games of marijuana like i'm sure that i mean their bill lee must have done that back then. i don't know you know there's probably like lots of players who have done 79 games of marijuana but it turns out that 28 and a half games is a felony in georgia now, interestingly, 29, this is, we're talking grams, I'm, I'm imagining. 29 and a half grams is what you're allowed to buy and just recreationally in California. 
He had 79, though. So he had almost three times that much. But for those of us who remember ounces of pot, and, you know, this is just sort of a general thing, 28.35 grams is an ounce. So he had a little under three ounces, which is not big time dealer stuff. It's a little bit more than personal use for sure, but it's not like he's, you know, doing some drug smuggling or something like that. Actually, under Maryland law, you if you have a medical card, you can get 120 grams a month, a month, every month. You can buy 120 grams. And he That's has 79 his feet. Several games. Yes, several it. games. And the funny thing, too, in Maryland, they recently decriminalized marijuana. So if you have under 10 grams, it's like a parking ticket. And then between 10 grams and 50 pounds, it's a misdemeanor. 50 pounds. So learning a lot about drug laws across the country here. But, you know, the bottom line is they vary incredibly. So the charges were dropped. Why were they dropped? Well, friends, this is your government teacher again with a little bit of a lesson. There were issues with the probable cause of pulling him over in the first place which is a code for racial profiling in Georgia, is what I'm thinking. So here's the deal. If the cops pull you over to begin with, they need probable cause. There must be a clear reason that, that a reasonable person would say, like, you are speeding or you have a taillight out or something like that. So like right the minor player we talked about last week or the week before who had yep. been weaving. Or exactly. Yeah. Right. So if there's a reason, that's probable cause for pulling you over. But then, and as we talked about with the minor league player again, they need probable cause for searching the vehicle. So my guess is that hopefully, you know, somebody got Luis a good lawyer and the, the, all, everything has been dropped. MLB is still investigating, which is interesting because pot is no longer on the list of drugs of abuse. And I think that's probably because it's legal in like, I don't know, 15 states. New York just joined joined the fun and, and medicinal and many more. And the bottom line is it's just not worth the stress, people. It's not it's not worth locking people up for some pot. But, the, you know, it's good news for the Padres because, oh, you know, he'll be he'll be back in. I think the worst that MLB is going to do is probably some drug education stuff, which is fine. We can all use a little bit of drug education here and there. But I think we just got some from you. Yes. You gave us a great <laughs> drug education. So thank you for that. There you go. There you go. Yep. To be continued. But I, I you know, I'm happy. Anything that's happy for the Padres, I'm happy about. And this is happy for the Padres. This has been a um, public service announcement <laughs> and an afternoon after school special all rolled into one. Thank you for that. <laughs> hey, also in police blotter, my guy, Nick Castellanos, instigated the very first brawl of the 2021 season because he flexed his muscles. He looked really good doing it. I got to say. so pretty. <laughs> so, they are so freaking pretty. I got to say. Yeah. So Nick got beamed. He, you know, got a little funny about it, but he just, you know, went on to take his base and the whole thing after a little bit of showboating. But then when he scored, when he scored, the um, Jake Woodford was the pitcher who claims I didn't do it on purpose. I, I was confused. He said he was confused when he slid into him. I don't know if it was the pitch or the slide, but he, so they they collided at, at home mm -hmm. plate, and um, Nick got up and flexed those. Pretty, pretty muscles. And um, the photo that the image of Jake Woodford looking up at him, look, he looks just terrified. Like, he does. What the yeah. hell is happening right now? And so, of course, many things happened and many people joined the fray, including like, some really like serious conversations between Yachty and Nick and people, you know, running in from the bullpen and getting there too late. So starting new fights because they wanted to have a little bit of the fun. But you know, it all simmered back down. And afterwards, the best thing that happened was that, you know, Nick was talking about having this conversation with Yachty. The guys are fighting on the field. Yeah. And Nick and Yachty are just having a conversation over on the sidelines there. And he was asked what it was about. It's like, oh, that's between me and him. It's between me and him. And he said, you know, that guy could have punched me in the face. I'd still ask him for a signed jersey. There's so much respect for Yachty or Molina right there. And he's like, you know what? He said his piece. That's fine. It's between us. It's all good. Yeah. You know, I left that scene loving both of them. 
Really? Because, yep. you know, it was really sweet. And and when he scored, it was on like a pass ball or a wild pitch or something like that, which is, and then the pitcher was, I don't know why the pitcher was, cover, run, yeah. went, yeah. was running in. But at, at first home, yeah. I thought that he was yelling at the pitcher because of having been hit. But then I realized, oh no, it's because he crashed into him. But there, the, the post-conference, like, Nick looked so good. His hair was like slicked back. He was wearing like a bomber jacket. He just looks so back good. Back up. He's my former boyfriend. Yeah, Thank you absolutely. Very much. Yeah. So I'm good. I'm good with Melina too. And and the conversation, I think, between those two looked very reasonable. Nick even had his hands behind his back. Like he was clearly trying to not be confrontational to Yachty yeah. and listen to what he had to say. I think this is like, you know, exposing your neck to like to, to the wolf, like to like uh-huh. to the alpha wolf, right? It's like, okay, yeah, I know. I know. I got you. I, this, this is me saying, yeah, you, you, you're in charge. That's fine. It's all fine. Yeah. So that one I thought was pretty entertaining, actually, you yeah. know, because it had lo- lots of like cartoon aspects, plus the the mad respect at the end. The one that I'm pissed about is not a brawl, but it's um, it's it's Carlos Correa flattening my guy, my guy, Matt Chapman, as if they were playing a freaking hockey game. He could have just tagged him with the gloves. Yeah. But he ran him down, dropped his shoulder, and sent him flying. Now, Chapman did kind of slow down and try to avoid it, which I think made it worse. I think that Correa, at that point, couldn't avoid him. But you know what? You could appear to regret the your actions by coming back and helping him back up after you finish making the play or saying, my bad, man, sorry, are you okay? Did none of that. So any respect I had left for Carlos Correa, which was – um, not any really is now in the negative category because you don't mess with my guy Matt Chapman. Yeah, I think Correa has a lot of of attitude issues, and I think he's an ex of mine. But I'm not going to even go there. Like that's yeah, never going to be, that never going to be. Good old days. Those were the good old days. He went downhill since then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back back before we knew the Astros were problematic, yeah. problematic yeah. say say yeah. the least. So so happening ha- happening hoping happening stuff on opening day <laughs> you know there's there's got to be the style segment because we're NCIB and we we look at the style so I feel like we got to look at the opening day grooming situation and I gotta say especially because I've been watching so much Orioles and Red Sox Freddie Galvis man absolutely the best hair in the league I think that's what I mean he's impressive it's fine. it is pretty fine yeah do you, do you have any challengers I well, I do, I do. I have a runner, a runner up. I have a runner up. Tyler Glasnow of um, of the Rays has flow, so I think we should yeah. call him Tyler Glass Flow from here on. Oh, that out. works. It's it's a it's a lovely thing. It's nice to see, and he's got a new pitch that's also working. So it just sort of the two things together are really kind of enhance one another, and he's he's making it work. Yeah. Last we saw, we were calling him the Disney Prince, right? It's true. And he has leaned into that big time. <laughs> I, I got to say, I'm disappointed with my Orioles boyfriend, Rio Ruiz, because he cut off that hair that I loved. Which oh, was, it was such a sweet, sweet do we had going on. Wasn't yeah. it like that, this mullet thing that was flowy mullet? Thing? Yeah, it was like full mohawk. It was totally shaved on the sides and it was yeah. a big flowy mohawk that was his pandemic thing. And dude, the pandemic's still going on. There was no reason to... Maybe you got too hair. big fit, fit under the cap. I don't know. But yeah. I, I did see, it was like, when, when I was watching the game, I was like, wait, that's Ruiz? Where's his yeah. hair? So yeah. I wasn't even sure it was him when he was at bat. And he was making all sorts of good plays out there, actually. He was doing some very sexy defense, uh, talking about some sexy defenders. Or, yeah, pitcher counts as defense, right? I, I don't know how I have never noticed Tanner Scott before. First of all, another Tanner. <laughs> I thought I knew all the Tanners in the league, but Tanner Scott's a bullpen relief pitcher for the O's and it's his fifth year there. And he did really well last year. He was in 25 games and he had a one, three, one ERA and he had not been that good the, the year before in, in 2019 478 over 28 games. But what was notable about him was he <laughs> has <laughs> he, 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 does, he does not have your typical baseball pitcher physique. So I feel like baseball pitcher physiques sort of fall into two camps, right? 
there's the long lanky guys, right? The yes. Kershaw and the Chris Sale. And then there's the sort of stocky, you know, power guys. Power comes from my legs, guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's even, yeah, especially arms I've noticed more. But with Scott, I'm noticing the legs. Like he definitely has the power from the legs. He's got a football, not f American football, soccer, a soccer physique from, say, the waist down. I'm not saying that my attention was going there, but he really is very solid from the waist down. I think it's fair to share with our listeners the text exchange that we had about this. <laughs> just, just two parts of it. One of, one of the, the first my one was, oh my this God. O's relief pitcher is very fit. And my response <laughs> was the word, my. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I understood. So I have yeah. so much respect for the Orioles after watching them decimate the Red Sox three fucking days in a row. And we're going there a week from today. You and I are going to be watching. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And I will, yeah, I'm going to wear all my Red Sox gear and just be a mass hole. Yep. <laughs> I love that about you. But don't worry. I will cancel all of that out by wearing the, the, the O's gear. It'll be fine. It'll be Excellent. fine. Hey, let's talk about Cleveland for a second because there's mm -hmm. some wacky hijinks going on. So thank thank you, Cleveland team, for winning a game today because I was really very sad that I spent time watching both of the first two games, which you lost, and I didn't actually see, you know, parts of O's games because of that. But today I watched the O's and not Cleveland, and they won. So I hope that doesn't mean that I can't watch Cleveland games because mm. that'll bum me out. But yeah, but um, Progressive Field the ballpark in which the Cleveland team plays has some new rules this year, including they've, they're prohibiting Native American headdresses and face paint on, you know, on the fans, right? They said headdress, they're, pro they're pro prohibiting headdresses and face paint styled in a way that references or appropriates American Indian cultures and traditions. Wow. That's great. Steps forward. But you know what's okay? Chief Wahoo, because Wait, you know, what? Uh, Chief Wahoo, if you still have your t-shirt from like two years ago, that's got a Wahoo on it. Um, that's okay because outrule outlawing that would be quote too much oversight for the gate staff to have to do. So you can wear the t-shirt that insults an enormous number of people in this world, but you can't put the feathers on your hair. So this is like when Texas said you we can have a hundred percent, you know, attendance in our stadium, but no tailgating for you because that would be wrong. That would be wrong. And and they cannot wait until all the Wahoo gear wears out because I still wear like my 2004 World Series Red Sox gear. Like this stuff lasts. It's not you got to you got to draw a line. I think they're never going to outlaw mm -hmm. the old stuff. I think they're not. Yeah. But baby steps. And again, like we've said about many things within baseball, we are pleased with the steps in the right direction, even yes. if they're not as large a step as we would like. A cool thing that's going to be happening tomorrow or yesterday for you listeners. Oh, it's a timey-wimey thing. We're recording on Sunday night. The Cleveland's home opener is on Monday. We've got a pinch drummer. So those of you who have <laughs> ever been to a Cleveland game or possibly watched a movie like Major League, you have seen John Adams, the guy who sits way up in the bleachers and bangs a giant drum through the whole game. He's done this since 1973 wow. where well, Mr. Adams has had heart surgery and he is still recovering and he's going to miss opening day. So the Akron based band of the black keys, the drummer, Patrick Carney said he contacted the Cleveland team and said, may I please, may I please be the drummer? Wow. I, I, I don't want opening day to go without John Adams, but if he can't be there, can I please step in and be your pinch drummer? So apparently there's going to be some video screen handoff between John Adams and Patrick Carney, and he's going to get John's seat. I don't know if he's going to use John's actual drum or if he's bringing his own, but it's kind of sweet and it's kind of great. And it's, um, it's doing the right thing, right? And Cleveland rocks. Like, that just totally makes sense. Cleveland rocks, man. Cleveland frickin' rocks. You know what else rocks? No hitters. I love no-nos. I love – it was crazy. And I tuned in to the CPBL Lions-Dragons game on uh, Friday morning, a little – about halfway through, I would say. And the pitch count was pretty high, 
but there was a no hitter going. And you know how that goes. Like people either, some people try to talk about it to break it. And I just shut the fuck up because I was like, this is Tim Melville and he's pitching a no hitter. And he had a shit ton of pitches after seven innings. And I thought, all right, that's it. You know, they'll, they'll keep, and then he came in for the eighth. And when he came in for the eighth, Mr. Potty Mouth was like, this is it. You know, he's coming in for the ninth. Like, there's just no question. He pitched 142 pitches. Holy crap. That's like old timey baseball. It is. It totally is. And I wish I had written down about what the count was after seven and after eight, because it was like a ludicrous amount. I mean, it was well over a hundred after seven when he came back in for the eighth. And I was thinking, wait, if you were in this country, that wouldn't be happening. So it was fabulous. It was just fabulous to watch. And because it's the CPBL, after he did all that, he got to dance because there's an yeah, MVP yeah, dance. So he pitches a 142 pitch no hitter. And then he came out and danced. And it was so clear that he knew that dance well. Like he, I think this was his first MVP dance of the season, but he had practiced. He is by far far the best dancer on the team. The next day, I think it was, yeah, Teddy Stankwitz got MVP. Not nothing to it. You know, Tim's got to <laughs> Tim's got to to train them all. It was officially depending on who you listen to, either the 10th or the 11th no hitter at all in CPBL history, and that's wow. because one was in the postseason. So some people don't count um count that one, but it was the most pitches for a CPBL no hitter in history. It was also Ultraman Day. Now, I there's so many things to love about CPBL. Ultraman Day is pretty awesome. Last year, they had Cayman Rider, and I got a cool jersey for that. I'm feeling like I really want to get an Ultraman jersey. I because... want an Ultraman jersey. I loved Ultraman so much. Oh, my God. I'm such a, such a nerd. He I'm danced nerd. between Ultraman and I don't know. I don't understand Ultraman. Like, there was another version of Ultraman up there, but they didn't dance. He danced. The funny thing is, the last no-hitter that happened was his friend, apparently Ryan Verdugo for the Lions in 2018, also on Ultraman Day. And it turns out that every Ultraman Day that the Lions have had, they have won the game. So I'm thinking they need to change their uniforms. I'm not too keen on the black and orange thing for reasons mentioned above. And I would love <laughs> to go with like the Ultraman thing all around. Super cool. And I also just want to give a super sweet shout out to Tim's mom, who we interact with on social media. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that she listens to us. And it was really cool getting the mom reaction right after that. And I just thought, you know, uh, we're moms of a similar age. And like when your kid does something like extraordinary, it's just such a joy to watch. And, it, and just imagining like the joy that she had early in the morning, sitting here across the world, watching her son pitch a no hitter and being able to like communicate with him about that. Totally cool. And also he got, he got married in the off season and part of the photo shoot after the, um, the no, no was his bride up there with him, which is cool that she's over oh, there. Very sweet. Very so sweet. Super sweet. So super congrats to the whole Melville family. The KBO started this weekend, Korean baseball. They got super rained out on their opening day. It was supposed to be Saturday. Four out of five games got rained out. So I didn't feel quite so bad. Like, it's like, you know, shit happens. But Sin Su Chu, I know I mentioned this before, is playing for the Landers, which is the reincarnation of the Wyverns. So there's, uh, there's reasons to keep up with KBO. I'm going to try to check it out. Also across the other side of the world in Japan... Girls play baseball. So girl, we've, we've talked about women's baseball in Japan, that they have been the national leaders for a very long time in international competitions because they have a women's league and nobody else does. Australia's starting. Canada's trying. Puerto Rico does, but not the rest of the United States. And another impressive thing about why women's baseball is so awesome in Japan is it seems like they have a serious high school circuit. So they recently had the high school girls baseball tournament, starting with 33 teams, which oh, just Lord. blows my mind. Why? I mean, didn't baseball like the some of the the 
myth is that baseball started here, right? <laughs> like, why don't we have 33 girls teams of baseball? But I just missed it. The, uh, the, last te- the last game of the tournament was this past Friday. And you can look it up on YouTube, though. And I watched the very end to try to see who won. And it was really hard to tell because everybody was crying at the end. But it was it was super emotional. And I think it was Kaishi Guken. It was them against... Uh, and, and I really listened and tried to repeat this, and it didn't work out so well. Nah, I'm not going to even try. Now, <laughs> congratulations. I to know your limits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Congratulations to Kaishi Guken, because I think they're the winners. More international baseball that I've been missing. Cuban finals. You guys, this is another timey-wimey thing. Game seven is tomorrow for us, so that's yesterday for you. So you are going to miss out on game seven of the Cuban national finals. It is the Alasanes de Granma against the Cocodrilos de Matanzas, who Wait, are the did defending you say champs. Grandma? Did you just say grandma? I, something like that. Granma is, yeah, it does look like grandma. But that's, yeah. Uh, and Alasanes is, I, I looked up the, I didn't know the word, and it's sorrel, which is a plant. I don't understand. It's an herb, right. Cocodrilos de Matanzas, crocodiles, right? And Matanzas is the city, but it actually means like, like killings. <laughs> so, so they're, they're going to be tough. <laughs> the defending wow. champ. But the, the other cool thing though, is this has all been on YouTube. So we've all missed this. We could have been watching into YouTube, but again, both the, the Japanese girls uh, high school baseball and the Cuban finals, you can check out on YouTube. There will be links in our show notes. Woohoo. Yes, they knock will. over my beer. Please don't. Please don't yeah. waste it. This is a very tasty beer. Mm-hmm. Please drink it instead of knocking it over. I am liking this Diamonds Are Forever situation here. Yep. Hey, you know what else started this week? Our Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League started Woo-hoo! this week. And we have a bunch of new teams, which is so exciting. Yeah. Our friends Glenn and Brian and Diane and Marla and Karen all joined us, like uh, the, the returning folks. We have 11 teams. And here was my thing. Again, with my crazy week with the up and down, I thought, okay, so I'm taking Tuesday off to recover from my shot. And it, I can probably manage to deal with everybody's rosters. There's a lot of color-coded spreadsheet work with this because we have stupid rules. We may, right. You may have heard us say we have a lot of stupid rules. And so I have to manage all that. And it almost broke my brain. <laughs> it almost broke my brain. And then we had people you know, join at the last minute, which I totally get. And I know you as a teacher totally get. Yep. So you're probably looking at me like, this happens every single day all to the time. me. Every single day. So we had a little bit of an issue. And then like we had somebody who couldn't get in. And so we gave them an old team this night. Anyway, as of this morning, the top four teams are all newbies. Wow. They got all with newbies. the program really fast. <laughs> Glenn and Brian and Diane and Marla are all beating us. And then you and then Karen and then me. Nope, Karen. And then the kids and then me. And then well, the, the kids had that Orioles pitching. Yeah, so here's the thing. You can get on the fantasy team and look at look at live standings. And right before we started recording, I was actually fourth. I had gone up like 30 points, but it's fleeting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watch these live, uh, live standings, but they're hilarious. I did last year. You can watch them change as someone's player, you know, steals a base or this pitcher gets another strikeout or whatever. So it's kind of hilarious. But we're going to report back from... A, a moment in time, which is Sunday morning before the Sunday games start every week. So right now, Glenn, congratulations. You are in first place by a boatload. And welcome, everybody. This is really fun for me, and I um, hope you have a good time, too. Yeah, I'm super excited to have these people involved and to dealing with our crazy rules. And for you and I, it's super hard because we can't sub out as much as they can. We can only sub with guys that we have actually profiled and picked and are not on anybody else's team at this point. That's right. And we have made this commitment to only pick pitchers from one team, which is also a a problem for scoring because other people can have starting pitchers from a variety of teams, which means they can have multiple games going on with with an active pitcher in a certain day. So, yeah. So when we do well, it's in spite of these things. So it's, you know, I feel like we should get some extra credit for that. I don't know. 
yeah. don't know. Hey, the most important thing to me is that you and I are going to be in Camden Yards next Sunday, sitting in the stands, way high up, way far away from everybody else with masks on and fully vaccinated. Um, so yeah, we're being careful and all of that, but in a freaking ballpark. And most likely with a flying dog beer in our hand. And oh, you God, know, yes. I'm going to be after the raging bitch. Like that's my, th- I love the raging bitch. I can't oh, imagine man. why. A beer in a ballpark. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's going to be so expensive and so mm-hmm. delicious and everything yep. about it is going to be wonderful. Please don't rain. Please don't rain. Please don't oh my rain. God. And, and please, God, Nats, get over this whole situation yeah. so I can start watching my nationals sometime this week. It sounds like it's not going to be tomorrow, but I hope it'll be soon. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So do you have anything else going on this week or is it just like anticipation of of the glory that will be being in a ballpark? Yeah, I just have to go back to work after a week off, which always sucks. So, yeah. You know what sucks more? Not having a week off and then going back to work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so no, I, I should be grateful. I should be grateful. I'm vaccinated. I had a week vacation. Life is good. But yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So please feel free to check out some back episodes of No Crying in Baseball in the intervening weeks and tell your friends if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball. Leave us a review or a rating if you would like and find us on social media. A lot happens there. Yeah. Hang out with us on Twitter. NCIB podcast, NCIB podcast. That's what it is. And Facebook or Instagram at no crying in b-ball. Most excellent. Until next week, everybody, please get your shots as soon as you are able. Keep wearing your masks. Keep watching your distance. Keep washing your hands. Please fight the man. It's working. It's working. (laughs) In the meantime, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. He said, before I, before I go out to dance, I need to eat dumplings first. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>